From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Peter Hartlaub, pop culture critic for the San Francisco Chronicle. Today's Datebook podcast is an interview with Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglich, co-creators of the new Netflix release, The OA Part 2. When we heard last year that the second part of the Netflix series would be set in San Francisco, we weren't sure what that meant. There are shows that are set in San Francisco, such as Charmed and Full House, that barely if ever set foot in the city. But the OA Part 2 was more like the streets of San Francisco, the gold standard of TV series set in the city. As we'll learn in this interview, Marling and Batmanglich didn't just shoot interiors and exteriors here. They spent time in San Francisco and let the city's dynamics become part of the script. The OA is a science fiction story about interdimensional travel, fighting tyranny, and keeping faith in the face of the unknown. But even though the city is portrayed as an alternate dimension, issues of income disparity and gentrification are part of the plot. Marling and Batmanglich came to the Chronicle last week after a San Francisco International Film Festival screening at the Castro Theater. The OA Part 2 premiered on Netflix on Friday, March 22nd, and all eight episodes are available for streaming. Datebook Podcasts, thanks for listening. Welcome to the San Francisco Chronicle, and welcome back to San Francisco, Britt Marling and Zal Butmanglish. Yeah, perfect. Are you are you are you enjoying your return to the to the city? Very much so. I'm only wishing we could stay longer. That's my my only gripe. <laughs> yeah. So the OA Part Two is going to be out the day this comes out, and you guys got here for the Castro Theater, and you shot here Part Two here. Um, is that all tied together? Did you want to have people in San Francisco get to see this 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 series first? Oh, you mean by playing it at the Castro? Yeah, yeah. I think that's just uh, good fortune. I mean, it was really fun for us to... We, we came up here first for a research trip in February 2017, and we went to all sorts of different San Francisco haunts, from the 16th Street Steps to Hospitality House in the Tenderloin, to places in Oakland and Knob Hill and uh, Treasure Island. And so to then get to shoot in all those places in 2018 and then come and show it to a packed house at the Castro Theater, that was a treat. Did you get to enjoy San Francisco while you were here, or was it just so crazy, you know, because you both do so much with the production? Um, Were you able to, to... have any fun in San Francisco, or or was it work, work, work? It was work, 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 but sometimes it's interesting to get to know a city from the filming perspective because you're so exhausted by shooting. I mean, everybody works a 12-hour, 14-hour day if you've gone through hair and makeup, you know, if you're an actor. And so you, you enter a zone that is akin to, like, dreaming lucid dreaming like you're you're a little bit awake a little bit of sleep you know in this <laughs> mm. very pushed zone all your senses are very alive so to experience san francisco like that where you're sometimes beginning in the 
pre-dawn blue light, you know, and you're on Treasure Island or to spend, you know, a day at the 16th Street steps and see the sun come in and out many times and move all these through through all these spaces with a kind of dream logic was an extraordinary way to experience the city, actually. You're also, like, when you're shooting, you're more sensitive to things. So, like, weather is critical. So, you, you, you know, you, you're very attuned to the weather. Mm. And, you know, is it sunny or are the clouds going to... Like, when we were shooting at the 16th Street Steps, uh, we would go into full sun and then cloud cover, full sun and cloud cover, and we all have to scramble to sort of compensate for that. So so you, you take in a city uh, more... Uh, delicately but then when we were researching it was so fun because it was just me and Britt with backpacks and we were you know going through the city trying to find things as authentically as possible like for example in chapter one there's the Vu family and the scouts had shown us uh, places in Chinatown that could be the, the the convenience store but we you know Britt actually fought for it to be in little Saigon so that we would have that authenticity so you know it was fun to like go to to little Saigon and and find that uh, that convenience. Well, go to all these spaces when we when our minds were fully intact. You know, when you're in the researching phase, sure. it's a very different zone, and um, it was nice to explore the city that way. Well, I, I have a lot of San Francisco questions, but I, I want to set up the series too and. I found it hard. Usually I write a couple sentences to sum up a series, but I don't want to spoil anything. Like, I don't even want to spoil the first season. I, I don't want people to assume that people saw it because there's so many great surprises there. Has that been a struggle for you guys in terms of explaining what this series is without giving away so many of the great surprises? I mean, I think the beauty of Netflix is that you don't really need to. Like, meaning, like, if you can just convince, I mean, not us necessarily, but like, if someone can convince their friends to start a series, then it's it's up to them. Like if they like it, they'll keep watching it, and if they don't like it, they don't have to keep watching it. So there isn't the it isn't like you know going out to a bookstore and buying a book or going out to a movie, you know, parking your car and like going to see that movie. It's more like give it a shot. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It, it there's not such a buy-in, and so it allows us to to make a story that's less categorizable. Yeah. Well, just to give our listeners, if you haven't checked it out, I'm going to give just the basics as much as I can. Will you two please help me out? Um, <laughs> Prairie is uh, a, a inter- interdimensional time traveler. Is that a Dimension good way? traveler, yeah. Dimension traveler is better and shows up. Um, she had been blind, but shows up and can see after seven years and meets up with some teens and an awesome teacher uh, played by Phyllis Smith who is absolutely fantastic and they go on their own journey um, I don't want to give away too much she's there's a there's a, a element that deals with the past and being held captive and a scientist who uh, appears to be evil and then the second season you're in San Francisco that's all I want to say am I missing anything big <laughs> I think that's all you have to say yeah is it um, is it something that you wanted to be in uh, you were in michigan right yeah. for the first season is it helpful or something that you wanted to be away from los angeles for at least part of the shooting does that is that something that helps a creative process or helps with the actors mm. well it helps with our lives like we get to be anthropologists or scientists and experience new places so um that part of it is fun you, you know like we get to be in new cities so it, 
I mean, this city seems like a very important city in like a good way and a bad way for like understanding the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. So I think setting a story here and then as a result, getting to be here was crucial. Yeah, I guess I would would add to that that it I think sometimes when you just stay in L.A. and you're just inside that bubble, the stories end up eventually over time becoming very self-referential. It's just about that zone. And so I think Zoll and I are always trying to figure out ways to get outside geographically and then also in terms of mentality, you know, mm-hmm. to, to keep pulling yourself away and trying to understand what's happening in other parts of the world and, and then putting that into the narratives. Did you have San Francisco in mind for a second season? Did you even have a second season in mind? I think the first season comes to a satisfying enough close if that was it but how much were you planning on on a second season and it being here we it's interesting we when Zal and I were thinking about going into what we think of as the long format space um, we thought it was really important to do all the work up front of, of plotting out pretty meticulously a narrative that could be many 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 hours um, so that you don't find yourself you know, in a writer's room in success in year three, not really knowing where your mystery is going. So for us, we did the work up front of thinking about the twists and turns of the labyrinth, thinking about what's at its center so that if we ever arrive there, it feels worth it and it feels like the knowledge was there in hour one now mm-hmm. that you're in hour 35 or 40 or however far out you want to go. Um, so we we definitely thought from the beginning um, – that each season would happen, it, each part would happen in a different dimension, that they would be different spaces, different mm-hmm. locations, and that... And we figured out the, the beginning, the middle, and the end for each season. So the, the, the twist that's coming was figured out long ago. Yeah. Do you pay attention to the building um, excitement of the fan base? And um, does that you know energize you? Does it in any way alter what you do or, or change what you do when you get that feedback or, or are you just not paying any attention to that we don't really engage with it so i mean sometimes on instagram like we're both on instagram but like you know we don't have that many followers and and once in a while when we're just p- posting photos of our like friends or our family so people will be like where is part two where is part two and we'll be like well we're working really hard to get it for you so we we, we experience that but we don't notice the fan base yeah I mean, I guess right after something comes out, sometimes I'll see people in a grocery store or in an airport or you know, on the street, and they will come up and they will say things. And you well, that, that's because you are the OA. Yeah, exactly. You play the so character, so you have a different experience, experience than yeah. I do. Um, but I think that there's um, – and that can be very moving when you meet somebody who you can feel in their sincerity that – they don't want anything from you. They just want to tell you that, like, you, you made something that moved them in some way. And so, of course, that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful feeling. Um, but outside of those encounters in real time, it's hard to, um, it's hard to really know. You know, we just yeah. – we make this thing. We put it on a platform. That platform is instantaneously – it's all over the world. And you can't really comprehend that or take that in. That's a total hyper-object. Do you, do you get curious at all what all the fan theories are? I mean, I myself have a couple of my own, not, not theories, but, you know, little things that I notice that 
I'm not going to bug you with, but I'm sure fans are coming up to you and asking questions. It's a series of such density. Um, are people coming up to you with things that are, are wrong or right? Are you surprised with the depth of knowledge of, of the fan base? We hear about things like we have someone who works with us who who go, who's a redditor who goes through Reddit and there are lots of different great theories on Reddit and stuff. Sometimes people get it and I'm very impressed, and a lot of times they don't. So time will tell whether people get it right or wrong, or whether we can pull it off. But it is it is a new era inside storytelling that this kind of forensic uh, study can happen, and that the audience can participate very actively in a narrative that way. I think that's a, a new thing that the streaming service provides because you can you're, you can stop, start, you can rewind, you can go back. I mean, when I was growing up and watching things, it's like I watched it in the movie theater and that was it. You know, I guess maybe finally with VHS, you know, you could get meticulous, but it's interesting that we're now in this new time of storytelling in which the audience is encouraged to be a detective and they have the internet, which puts everything at their fingertips for, for super sleuthing. So. Yeah, I mean, as a San Franciscan, every time I heard an address, a street and an address, if I'm watching, I immediately went on my phone to see if that address second exists. second screening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, or, you know, oh, it's a laundromat? You know, so um, very cool. Uh, San Francisco, so you said there was a trip where you came out here, and were mm -hmm. you checking things out, or did you know you wanted to be here? Can you talk to me just about the first trip to San Francisco? Because we're just trying to get better at what we do, and we learned a lot from making season one, and we were trying to put that into practice, making part two. We took the trip very seriously, and we sort of were like, when we encountered the 16th Street stairs, and we loved them, we were like, okay, well, we'll set that scene here. And so, like, that was it, you know? And so, so we were trying to be really, like, if we found something that worked and we loved, we were like, okay, let's move on. And so that was really fun. I mean, it was a very exciting time for us together to be roaming the city, daydreaming about a story that now, you know, by some grace is on screens and available to everybody. So, what what uh, kinds of things did you caught your eye first? Things that are in the in the series and things that maybe didn't make it. Um, I, mean, I think one of the things is San Francisco, obviously, is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and part of that beauty is that it's so connected to the natural world. You know, as this peninsula where the weather and the, the sea is right there and then you have these huge beautiful old growth trees everywhere right in the city center and so certainly San Francisco's dialogue with nature um, was really moving and interesting the idea of these green spaces that were protected very early on mm. was very influential and I think also um, another thing that really stuck out to us was the sharpness of the juxtaposition of the haves and have-nots here. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is something that is all over the world, but maybe in San Francisco, it's in a kind of cinematic sharp relief. You know, you can be, we were when we were here doing research, walking down a street in which there were many unhoused people in a kind of tent collective. And then you walk, you know, another block up a hill and suddenly you're at the top of Knob Hill with these enormous houses that you know are millions and millions of dollars. And that that disparity um, being right next to each other like that 
was very was very intense and I think also That's found sad. its way into this narrative yeah and you say found your, its way into the narrative there's scenes of a tent city I, I, no spoilers yeah. but it, it appears in in the the series um, were you changing things based on your location scouting and seeing things here that were what what we did it before we started writing so so the, so the research trip is what it, so so because I mean this is the beauty of the fact that Britt and I are wearing so many hats and that it's very handmade like our trip influences our script which then becomes the show that you watch um, but I think that there were things, you know, we spent time at Hospitality House, which is a, a very important shelter in the Tenderloin. And we really wanted to set a story there to sort of bring light to the work that people were doing there. I mean, the woman who ran Hospitality House was forced out of the city because she couldn't afford to live in the city. Then she was living hours outside of the city. She even couldn't afford that and was forced to sort of move out of the state and give up her job as you know, someone who's helping people who really need help. And so we wanted to do that, but we we didn't feel that it was right to, 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 to tell that story while we still had to continue the OA story. So so there was, you know, we tried to put it in, in, in bits and pieces, but there is a lot. Uh, this city has a lot of stories in it. I wish that we could tell more of them. Mm. I, I think of um, you coming out here, I think location scouting, you know, finding places to shoot, but um, just looking at, at the things that you cover in part two, um, I'm having to think there was a lot of research like what you just described. Who were you talking to and what types of conversations were you having and how many of those were happening in the Bay Area? Well, I mean, I'll tell you an example of like how Britt and I planned this. So like in part one, and, and this is a spoiler, so just skip forward if you're listening to it on <laughs> 30 the, seconds yeah 30 <laughs> seconds so i'll keep it real short uh, in part one homer has an nde that nde actually takes place on treasure island and so we had to do research on treasure island four years ago when we were first writing this knowing that in the second season should there have should the show have been successful and gotten to a second season the entire season would take place in majority on that treasure island. So, uh-huh. so we had to figure out what was outside the window, and you know some of the things we get right and some of them we get wrong. And uh, 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 so, right four years ago, we start building our relationships with people in San Francisco, with San Franciscans, and and trying to get them to to help us learn more about their city. Yeah, we spent time talking to mental health professionals, to environmental activists, to anarchists running a multi-purpose lab space. Um, and all of it somehow enters the narrative, you know, even if it's not obviously represented, like we're not shooting in that location we were at, it becomes pieces of dialogue. It becomes, you know, a mood or a, a theme in another scene. And um, so all of that time up front is so important, getting mm-hmm. to absorb a space and, and its people and what are the particular cultural threads to just that city that we can somehow let breathe in the And the city area. talks back to you. you yeah. Know, like when we, we went to a noise show at, where it was waffles and, 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 and noise music and Britt and I were lying down on the floor, maybe we were sitting up and we had this sort of f- collective fever dream about, uh, 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 I won't say a spoiler, but Elodie, the character Elodie, she has these five objects, you know, that she 
shows It's a happen. super cool scene. Yeah, uh, but it, that comes from San Francisco, San Francisco that, whispered that That scene was Zal's very specific fever dream, no, actually. It was, that it was we walked ours. out of that noise show, and Zal was like, I've got this feeling. And sometimes, sometimes that really happens. Like, you go to a city, and it, it gifts you with particular thoughts, visions, ideas, you know, that are somehow born of its DNA. That was, I think, episode five, which is a fantastic episode. And I just got my uh, marijuana card like a year or two ago. And I'm so glad I didn't indulge before that episode because <laughs> it gave me all I needed. That is a fantastic episode. I think when OA fans are talking about the OA, uh, part two, episode five will be a, a lot of conversations out of that. Um, Treasure Island, uh, it seems like you were there a lot. Why did you choose that? Um, did you find there were a lot of interesting ways to use it? It looks like you were shooting interiors and exteriors. Yeah, you know, some of some of the interior spaces we built on a soundstage in Los Angeles because they had to match up with, as Zal was saying, a space that we had shot already in, in, in part one. But then we were so fortunate to get into the old naval building on Treasure Island, that horseshoe. Yeah, know, the administration building. Because think, we yeah. went up to the top of the sort of like panopticon at the top of that building, and it had this amazing 360-degree view of all of San Francisco, and we were in that space. And but it we... was totally derelict. It, it had <laughs> totally fallen in disrepair, yeah. and we were imagining, what if you had like a Freudian, Jungian office in here <laughs> in this space in which like the weather of the city you know is constantly you look out one window and the weather is one thing and you look out the other window and it's another thing across the bay and it's the sense of hap having the privileged position of like being able to look over all of san francisco in his warden like way hap, so hap is jason isaacs the uh yes. kind of mad scientist type character in this and uh, yeah. uh very memorable character so it look, sounds like it worked for you really great. Or... It worked by, by the grace of God. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't know how the weather was consistent yeah, enough our, for us our to shoot. Pro, our amazing producer, Ada Rogers, and our, the location scout, Jonathan Jansen, they were like, this space is, of course, amazing, but we'll never get through a shooting day here. I mean, you would start a scene and you'd be shooting coverage on one site and it's one side it's full sunlight and then you go to turn around and by then it's raining in San Francisco yeah. and you have you won't have any continuity you won't be able to cut a scene but the day that we shot there we just had unbelievable like perfect weather for the whole day so it was really by what, what time of year of were you guys here April April yeah that's a rough time <laughs> sorry but it, it really worked out it was magical it yeah. was magical yeah um what about Filming here, I think there's a reason that there aren't many series that film here. Um, streets, and when I say film here, I mean embedded here. Mm. You know, Full House shot their opening here and then right. never came back. But, <laughs> but like Streets of San Francisco, Nash Bridges, like no one here will say a bad word about Nash Bridges because they were here for six or seven seasons and, and embedded here and shot here. <laughs> Looking, which I think one of your directors, Andrew Hay, was yeah. very involved yeah. with I mean, Looking. It was his show practically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I met him and interviewed yeah. him when they were here. It, but I can name him. It's like a handful of shows that have been here and have been embedded here. And I think part of that is because it's difficult, not just because of the San Francisco weather, but um, I think people have a hard time with permits and that type of yeah. thing. Well, yeah, San Francisco doesn't want you to shoot here. Yeah. The powers that be don't really make it very film-friendly. Yeah. So how to go for you guys. It's inordinately expensive, yeah. I mean, I think that a San Francisco 
adjacent company funded it, which is Netflix. I mean, Netflix believes in taking that risk. I don't think any traditional Hollywood studio would have let us shoot the second season to our series in a very expensive city. (laughs) (laughs) And certainly not the amount of time we were able to spend here. But we wanted something authentic, and we wanted to have the production value, and we wanted the city to be a character. And the people we work with uh, at Netflix really got that. Were you able to, I know it was incredibly busy, were you able to have any fun? Did you have any, get to experience San Francisco beyond as a place to to shoot your film? I think we did because I think that we have fun while we're shooting. Like the shooting part, leading up to shooting, or maybe some of the long nights aren't fun, but like the actual act of shooting on the 16th Street steps or up in the top of the administration building or, you know, that house, that greenhouse. On Knob Hill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think also you do find moments where you get to go, you get a slight reprieve on a rare weekend that you're not rewriting a scene or memorizing your lines for the next day or in Zoll's case, shot, shot listing something that's about to shoot tomorrow. You, we did find a few pockets where, like I remember going down to Ocean Beach and going on some long walks there and, yeah, your partner loves to walk. Oh, yeah. I mean, he and you like are always going on these long walks. Amazing cinnamon toast somewhere at this like co- coffee shop I'm remembering right now down there. What was it called? Trouble. Mark Lucott showed us that space. Yeah. I'm hoping so, you guys discovered Merci on Treasure Island. No. 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 Oh man. We never left the administration building. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, loved the Golden Gate Park history in there, by the way. I, mm. I was double screening throughout. I apologize. That is but, true. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. good. So, well, I do a lot of archive searching here, so I, I loved just don't the be sorry. When we're writing it, we know you're double screening. That's why we put a line Hoping in there. You're yeah. Screen, yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I, I like uh, the California line, too. You got the cable car there, but not the obvious cable car. You, know, <laughs> you, you did all the little things right. Um, would, you, would you come back? And I don't want to give anything away or but was it a pretty good experience would you would you come back for this or another project come back i mean we were also while we were here shooting we were like isn't there some way we could live here but (laughs) the answer is that no we can't because we can't afford it but there there's a beauty to this city that is i mean just unparalleled the hills the quality of the light the fog that comes in and out the the colors here, it, it's mesmerizing. It feels dreamlike to me. Yeah. Um, were there movies at all that you've watched, San Francisco movies that you like, or San Francisco TV shows? Basic Instinct. Really? Oh, my God. So the way it was shot or the movie? Both? Both. Bo- both. The movie's incredible. Verhoeven yeah. is an incredible filmmaker, but the way he shoots San Francisco, I mean, I my favorite representation of San Francisco. Nice. Britt, do you have one? I was just thinking it's so funny that people, I don't know that people fully understood Basic Instinct when it came out. It was, people didn't understand what he was doing fully yet. And that like now when you look back at it, you can see it properly. It's interesting how some work just takes time. But yes, we were looking at that and it was, um, there's some breathtaking images and that cars just like, you get the sense of being on the edge of a continent mm-hmm. and what that means, the precarity of the fall in, in it. It's fraught with feeling and with danger. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think the the uh, show, I hope people discover it. And um, Monday comes, what are your hopes? What are you going to be doing on Monday? And, and what are your hopes for... Well, it actually debuts this to, for, on Friday. I apologize. Let no, me no, start that again. Okay. But that's yeah. that's fine. But mm-hmm. on Monday, it will be all over the world. Nothing. we got to move on. To, we got to go on another research trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a new city to explore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we're really glad that you came here and uh, hope people check me. out the OA. And thanks for coming to the archive. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. coming to the Chronicle. <laughs> You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglish. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is Mozart Symphony 40 in G minor by Blue Dot Sessions. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.